If you decided to listen to this week's message of Daxadeo Fichard Park, we know that Jesus has placed something on your heart. So let's dive in. Now, I had my birthday recently, and every year on my birthday, I don't, I don't make a big deal of it. You know, if you give me a butterscotch latte from Seattle, I'm happy. Um, I'm very easy to please. So um, that's what I got for my birthday, thanks to Christy Lee, and I was so happy. But here's the thing, every year on my birthday, I sit down and I write a few sentences about what I am celebrating in my life. You see, we are so easily, um, you know, caught in the thing of what's not going right, what's not uh, working out, but I try every year to just write down what I celebrate in my life. And this year, as I sat down, there was only one thing that popped into my mind. And that is my connection to Jesus, the person of Jesus Christ. And I wrote down a fresh connection to Jesus, a fresh relationship. Everything else in my life is important, yes, but my connection, my personal intimacy with Jesus is what I celebrate. You see, I can lose everything else but if I have that, I'll be fine. <laughs> Jesus is incredible, guys. Jesus is everything. Yes, He's the loving Father. He's so sensitive to where you are tonight. He wants to meet you at your place of struggles. But listen to this. Jesus is not only sensitive, He's also strong, powerful, mighty. He's in control. He's large and in charge. That's the Jesus that we serve. But I want to say in this series, and if you maybe this is your first time this year that you are here, we are ending off a series tonight called Come As You Are. Come As You Are. And the one thing about Jesus that we have discovered in this series is the fact that Jesus has a radical inclusivity when it comes to people. No one is beyond his reach. No one is disqualified. He brings every person to himself. He calls like we sang this evening. He's chasing after you. He won't leave you because he's an inclusive God. You are made in his image and he wants you to come and be connected to him. That's the purpose of this series. Now, I mean, Jesus hang out with all the wrong people. Am I right? He started his ministry with fishermen. Have you ever heard a fisherman speak? It's not Christian language. <laughs> he hanged out with the sinners, the tax collectors, the prostitutes. I mean, those are the people that my parents warned me about. I grew up and there was a little park on the opposite side of our house. And our municipality did not take care of that little park. So it grew like bushes and, um, you, you know, uh, things that I can't name. And weird people would start and just, you know, live in that vicinity and remain there. And when I, my sister and I was going to play there, my dad would say, you can do that, but don't, don't connect with those people. Just stay away from them. Anyone can relate with that. Your parents warned you about certain people. 
Listen to this. Jesus actually met such a person. Let me tell you a bit about him. He was demon-possessed. He lived in the graveyard. The people of the city threw him out and they bound him up with chains. And the Bible says every time they would, you know, bind him, he would come loose and break it. And he would, the Bible says he was screaming from the morning till the evening. That's not the kind of person that you invite to your student house, uni lofts. You don't. You don't invite such a person for dinner. <laughs> if you have, stop it. It's, it's really dangerous. <laughs> now you're realizing, oh, that guy was demon-possessed. No, don't do that. All right. But listen to this. Jesus crosses the divide. He's going on a boat with his disciples to the other side, and the person that welcomes him there is this demon-possessed crazy guy shouting, screaming. He was rejected by society. He lived on the margins of life. He was pushed out. And the second thing was he was, he, they tried to bind this guy because nobody thought that they had the ability or resources to help this man. Jesus crosses the divide. He comes into that person's personal space. And he just speaks one word, and that guy was free in a moment. That is the Jesus that we are serving. He's inclusive. He's not scared by your darkness. He's not scared by your, the things that go on in your life. He is inclusive when it comes to his invitation. I love it. Every time Jesus invites people, he would say, come all you who are thirsty, come all who are tired and wearisome, and I will give you rest. Jesus invites everyone to come to him. <laughs> What's his message? What's his invitation? You see, religion teaches us that Jesus expects us, before we come to him, to sort out our issues, get rid of the past. Get a grip on your sin, become more Christian-like, then come to Jesus. Jesus is very plain in his invitation, come as you is, for the Afrikaans people living in the South. Come as you am, whatever, just come. <laughs> and what's his message? His message is repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. How many times have we heard that scripture and it scared us to the bone? But actually what Jesus is saying, repent, metanous, metanoia, get your mind in line with what God is thinking. Come and change your mind. Come and see what Jesus has taught, what God's plan is for this creation. Come and fill your mind with his viewpoints, with his opinions. And then Jesus says, for the kingdom of God is at hand. What does that mean? He's not speaking about the kingdom one day, heaven, that also, but he's, he's speaking it's at hand. The kingdom has come close. 
What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is life under the rule and reign of Christ. To live under His Lordship. To live under His rule. To live a kingdom life now. Yes, in eternity in heaven, we would experience the fullness of that. But by the Holy Spirit right now, you become a carrier of the kingdom. When you walk into the varsity tomorrow, it's a kingdom ambassador walking there. It's someone sent by God on a mission to be the light, to be the salt in this world. The kingdom has come close to us. And what we said in this series is there's a difference between salvation, being saved, and entering into the kingdom of God. Salvation is what? It's very easy. It's not by works. By faith through grace. Or through faith by grace. I, I don't know. Read your Bible. Ephesians 2. Grace and faith. That's all it takes. God did everything and you put your whole trust in Him to save you. Done. Salvation. Klar. Finish. Fidile. Klar. On the other hand, to enter the kingdom is asking different questions. What do I do as a Christian to enter into a life under the rule and reign of Jesus Christ? What's the practical implications in my life of living under His Lordship? And then many times in the scripture, Jesus said, you shall not enter the kingdom if you don't become like a child, meaning dependent innocent, trust. You shall, no, you shall only enter the kingdom of God if your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees. And last week we discovered that it's not about good works and qualification to be righteous. It's a gift. Jesus takes your sin, the fullness of your sin, and in exchange, He gives His righteousness to you, you are clothed in His righteousness. And that is far beyond the righteousness of the Pharisees. Tonight, we're going to a bit of a difficult scripture. And I was contemplating this the whole week because I was actually supposed to preach tonight on John chapter 3 that says, you cannot enter the kingdom of God if you are not born again by the Spirit and water. So, I have a sermon on that. You guys can choose which one, but I'll take the one that I'm about to preach now. So quickly, the sermon on being born again. Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, you cannot enter the kingdom of God if you're still flesh. He says flesh cannot enter the kingdom of God. Only spirit can enter. And then he says, be born again. What is he saying? You cannot enter the kingdom if your lineage, your bloodline, your family tree still originates from Adam. You can only enter the kingdom of God if you are born again into a new bloodline, into a new inheritance, into a new lineage, the lineage of Jesus by the Spirit. Born again. That's the sermon. Club. You get two sermons tonight. Okay, so tonight I'm warning you, it's one of those difficult scriptures that we skip over when we read it. 
But I really discovered something so beautiful about God's kingdom this week as I, as I was diving into this. So I would love for you to open up your Bible to Mark chapter 9. Let's read from verse 42. Jesus is saying, he says, If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them if a large milestone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. Sure, that's radical. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell, where the fire never goes out. If your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and to be thrown into hell. If your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye Kingdom, speaking about life under his rule and reign, speaking, not speaking about salvation, not speaking about eternal life, speaking about his kingdom in us right now. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell, where the worms that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. And a little phrase, everyone will be salted with fire. Okay, just take a deep breath, because the person that you invited tonight, they asked you about this. Is this church speaking about hell? Are they one of those fire and brimstone kind of churches? Um, and um, chill, I'm not going to preach on hell tonight. I might, but I'm not going <laughs> to. So chill, okay? We don't focus too much on, you know, what can go wrong. We focus on Jesus Christ. So chill. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you now out of scripture. So Jesus is having a discussion with his disciples. It's the Sermon on the Mount. He's declaring what the culture of the kingdom looks like. He says, if you enter the kingdom, this is how it works. This is the life in my kingdom. And he starts and he says, if anyone causes these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it's better for them to go and drown themselves. What, what is Jesus saying? And sometimes it's difficult for us to understand these things because Jesus makes use of Jewish images and cultural references. He speaks about the little ones in his kingdom. What, who are those? The little ones. Immediately our brain goes to the kids. And that's not what Jesus is referencing. He's speaking about those who are new to the faith. People who have just entered life in Christ. The little ones. And let me tell you, my friend, just from this scripture, if you ever feel, you know, I'm just a little one in the faith. I'm just small. I'm not as spiritual as those guys. You have to understand, Jesus is crazy about little ones. He loves them in his kingdom. They are cute. My machtach. 
I know at birth they are ugly, but they are cute when they get two. After the tantrums. Jesus is actually saying, listen here, I rejoice when people enter life, when people come to salvation. And then he wants us to say, listen here, if you, for any reason, causes these little ones to stumble, it's better to go and drown yourself. Radical language. <laughs> what, what does it mean, the word stumble? Some of the translations would say to sin, if you cause these little ones to sin. But if you go and study the scriptures there, you would find he's not using the word sin, hamartia, he's using another word for apostatize or to lose faith or to take a step back in faith or to distrust God. So, as a child of God, I mean, that first few weeks, moments, months, years, when you are born again, it's the most amazing journey. You know that you are saved. You are free from sin. You are accepted by God as a son and daughter. It's incredible. Your life literally changed in a moment. And Jesus is saying, if there's someone that comes and they cause you to stumble, to start doubting in God, to start distrusting in God, even if it's the guy who preaches, he says, it's better for them to drown themselves. Then, he actually now directs the conversation not to the bigger crowd, but now he's actually speaking to the little ones. So he says, don't, don't let them stumble. And then he starts addressing these little ones. Let me give you a practical example of what Jesus is doing here. Is there maybe anyone in the building driving a Land Rover? Yeah, I did not think so. Okay, great. Um, if you drive a Land Rover and you're too scared to put up your hand now, we still love you, but sell the thing. <laughs> Just a joke, not a joke. <laughs> For instance, you get a call, you're in the car industry, you're a car, car salesman, you get a call from head office Land Rover, they offer you a massive package, promotion, you're the manager of Bloemfontein and beyond in Land Rover. I mean, that's good. You were just a salesman at Volkswagen. I'm not gonna go there. But now you have been promoted, so what do you do? You start telling your friends, you start telling your family. You call your mom and said, you know, you said I will always make it, I have just made it. Grandma, you would be proud of me. I'm gonna be the manager of Land Rover. You tell your best friend, say, I'm going to work at Land Rover. His response, oh, Land Rover. I've heard things about them. It's not a very healthy work environment. They work long hours and does not get paid. I hear the boss is like, the big boss of Land Rover is like a monster. What happens in your heart? That joy, that excitement, 
quickly turn into doubt and distrust. That is exactly what Jesus is saying when he says, don't let the little ones stumble. But you would see now, okay, he spoke about us, you know, we should not do it. But then he's directing his conversation and he's saying, if you, if your hand causes you to stumble, that's the little ones, it's better to cut it off, to enter the kingdom with one hand than entering hell with two hands. I mean, I can see that you're lost. I was also. How many, time have you, how many times have you heard sermons about this verse? Okay. Jesus is using Jewish imagery here. The hand. Just look at your hand quickly. Awkward thing, eh? It's like, whew, five pointy things. The hand can caress. Valentine's, oof, pass up. It can punch. It can slap. The word hand in the Bible is used for might and power. God says, Isaiah 45, he says, With my own hand, I have stretched out the heavens. Speaking about his power, his might. Jesus is now sitting at the right hand of the Father, meaning authority, the place of rulership. Exodus 15, it says, God, your right hand shatters the enemy. It's God's power. It's his ability. It's his control. It's speaking about the hand. And now Jesus is saying, if your hand causes you to start doubting. In other words, if your sense of control and authority and power in your own life causes you to start doubting in my power, rather cut it off. What does that look like? It's, it's things like, I don't, need, I don't need help, thank you. Uh, I can manage this on my own. Uh, I'll, I'll figure this out, thank you. I'm holding on to my own power. I'm holding on to my own control in life. I've got what it takes. I can do this. Life is, I'm going to show life. I'm a victor in life. Jesus is saying, before you enter the kingdom, cut the power. You see, in his kingdom, it works like this. There's only one who's got all power and authority and might. Jesus is not competing against another power or force in his kingdom. You cannot experience the fullness of God's power and might and authority in your life if you still grab on with your hand to your own control, your own power, your own ability. You have to cut that thing off. And Jesus used extreme language here. He speaks of amputation, cut it off. What does that mean? It means I figure out I lay it down before I enter the kingdom. I say to myself, I am not as powerful as I think. I'm actually powerless in this world. I have no control what tomorrow holds. 
I'm not in control of my own life. I'm simply in the hand of God. Yes, I have wisdom. Yes, I have abilities. But those things are not enough to make life work. I am totally surrendered into the hand of God. His might, His power, His ability. Then Jesus says, if you do that, enter the kingdom. Enter into His power and His authority. And then he uses a very interesting phrase. He says, it's better for you to be powerless when you enter the kingdom than entering hell still with that kind of power and control. So many times we've preached on this scripture and many people would tell you it means the following. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. Otherwise, you're probably going to go to hell. So practically, what does that mean? And I've heard so many sermons on this where someone would say, okay, you have a sin issue with alcohol. So what you need to do is you need to cut it off. You need to stop drinking. You need to close your bar tab. You need to say to the liquor store owners, I'm not allowed in your place. You have to have an accountability partner to make you stop drinking. And then if you've done that, you'll probably enter into the kingdom. If you don't, you're probably going to hell. This is not at all what Jesus is teaching here. Listen here. He's teaching to his little ones. Those who are already qualified in the faith. Those who are already saved and secure in his salvation. He's not speaking about eternal death, hell. What is hell then? Hell is when God says to humans, I'm going to give you what you have been longing for for so long, a life without me. That's hell. Separation from God. All that's left, God retracts His love, His peace, His joy, His grace, His mercy. And all that remains is His justice. Because that is what the person wants. So we're not talking about eternal hell. Actually, Jesus uses an interesting word here. He uses the word gena. If you understand a bit of Jewish maps, you would know that Gena was in the valley of Hinnon, just south of Jerusalem. And that was basically the dumping site of Jerusalem. So all the dead animals, all of the filth, all of the gross things would go to Gena. And there would be a fire in Gena going 24-7 for the purposes of keeping Jerusalem pure and safe. It's basically the mosques and the sanitizer in our day. It's a way of keeping Jerusalem free from all plagues and viruses and stuff. So that place, Gena, would burn with massive flames every day and every night. And Jesus uses this example in the scriptures. Yes, he uses it to refer to a life without God, but he also uses it in the context of refinement of purification, of bringing the gunk to the surface so that it can be cleaned. 
So what is Jesus actually saying here? He's saying in the end, he says, everyone will be salted with fire. Salt, the word that God used for us as his children, you will be salt in the world. Don't lose your saltiness. And he says, fire will make you salty. So what is Jesus saying? He's saying, if you struggle to let go of your own control, your own power, your own authority, and you want to enter the kingdom, they will be waiting a refining fire for you. <laughs> Not hell, fire. What does that mean? God loves you too much, my friend. He says, come as you are, definitely. But he loves you too much to let you miss out on the fullness of his kingdom. He would go to extremes to teach you to rely on his power. There might be moments where he will make you feel powerless in life. He will take all authority away from you to teach you to rely on his power. That is the fire, what the Bible speaks about here. Now you're like, okay, Eugene, brought new people to this place. Now you're preaching this. Why not the grace? Where's the grace? My friend, this is grace. He loves you too much to be caught and to be a slave and live in fear of your own power. He would go to extremes, even a fire, to refine that in your life. Next one, feet. You thought hands were funky. <laughs> uh, when last did you look at someone's feet? Don't confess now, please. It's ugly. This lelakoidan. Especially if you've inherited a big toenail, a big, you know, or one of those, the pinky toe is like, you know, showing self. <laughs> What is the image that Jesus uses here? He's speaking about, very interesting, he's not, he's not speaking about a physical foot here. He's speaking about an image. In the Jewish culture, as a young man, you would start school by coming under the teaching of a rabbi. You will be sitting at his feet. Jesus says in Matthew 11, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. And then he says, learn from me, for I am lowly, lowly and humble in heart. It's that learning, to learn from him, to sit at his feet. What is Jesus saying here? He says, if you want to enter kingdom life, if you want to enter a life where I am the Lord of your life, you have to recognize the influences in your life. Jesus is actually asking, under, under whose teaching are you at the moment? Who are you listening to? Who's forming your decision making? Who's forming your worldview? Who's forming the way that you think about life and relationships and sex and money and all of the above? Jesus is saying you can't enter kingdom life if you don't 
submit to his learning and his influence completely. Friends, we're living in a time where the authority of Scripture and the authority of Bible is questioned like never before. <laughs> Dangerous times. Because we believe that the Scriptures, yes, written by humans, they made mistakes. But it was breathed by God. His essence, His truth is in the Word. Illuminated by the Holy Spirit. It's letters, but when that you know, I understand this scripture like this. Forgive me for my stupid examples, okay? You know what brandy does? <laughs> you first take brandy, then it takes you. Okay. It's the same with the scriptures. You read it, and then the Holy Spirit enlightens it in your life, and it gets a grab and a hold of you. It changes the way that you see life. It changes. The truth of God's Word changes the way that you look at every aspect of your life. Jesus is saying, if you want to enter, if you want to live under my rule, my kingdom, you have to take my Word seriously. If you're struggling... And if you don't want to let go of all the other voices and influences in your life, there might be waiting a little fire. You might get lost in some philosophy. You might steer away from the word and get yourself in a place where you are so confused. You might follow someone's YouTube channel and in the end, you've lost joy, you've lost God's peace, you're thinking like the rest of the world. And Jesus is saying, if you want to enter, let me be your first influence. Learn from me. Last one, the eyes. Interesting image that Jesus uses here. It's the eyes of envy, of jealousy. It's the eyes of looking at someone else and wanting what they have. <laughs> When someone go, come and tell you, you know, I got a promotion to work at Land Rover, I'm going to be the manager. Some of us will be glad, but only with half of the face. Like, great. And secretly asking, why not me? You know, poor little me. Look at how that guy's life is going. Look at how they are prospering. What about me? Jesus is saying... Life in his kingdom works like this. He is father. He is provider. He decides who gets what. You see, the moment you fall into the trap or stumble into discontentment, you know your faith in God's goodness is under risk. God you blessing these people and not me. Are you really good? Are you really interested in me? What about me? And Jesus is saying, you have to let go of that because it's not true. What you have is exactly what he wanted you to have at this moment. Who you are is enough. He does not long that you become another person. 
He wants this world to have the full experience of you in Jesus. This is a very, very difficult one. Jesus is saying, if you want to enter kingdom life, you have to be thankful for what you have. You have to celebrate what others have. You have to be grateful to God when someone else gets a promotion. It's life upside down. That's kingdom life. Jesus is saying, if you struggle with it, if you struggle to be content with who you are and what you have, there might be waiting a little fire for you. A refining fire. Now maybe you get less and less up until the point where you don't have anything. Whatever God wants to use in you to show you that He cares, to show you His goodness, to show you that you are enough, you have enough. Ladies, listen to this. How tired are you of striving to be the perfect girl? To look happy, to look fine, to dress appropriately. How tired are you of faking it? God says, be content with who you are. Be content with what you have. I made you this way. I thought that you are an expression of my goodness and my creativity just the way you are. Don't take that pressure on yourself to become something that you're not. Men, why are you struggling and taking pressure to live up to the expectation of society, your family, your girlfriend, her dad? Okay, but that one is actually good for you. I just want to say, okay, you have to produce the juice, man. <laughs> But we take pressure when we strive and struggle with discontentment. You are the way you are for a reason. You look a certain way for a reason. You have certain weaknesses for God's grace to enter your life. Be content with who you are and what you have. If you want to live a kingdom life, let go of your own power. Make Jesus the number one influence in your life and thank Him for who you are and what you have. Let's pray together. Worship team, you guys can join me. Father, tonight as we stand and we read these truths, we just want to say that life in your kingdom is what we desire. Life under your rule is what we want, God. We know in your kingdom, we live a life of freedom, of joy, of fulfillment, of grace, of peace, of enough. In your life, Lord, in your kingdom life, God, there are fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. 
God, you are our King. You are our Father. You care for us. You look after us. There's joy in your kingdom. There's healing in your kingdom. There's life in your kingdom. Real life. And that's what we desire. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come with your soft whisper tonight in each of our hearts and remind us that Jesus has all authority. He's in control. That Jesus is the word. He's the truth. He's the life. And that Jesus has blessed us with enough. We want to enter your kingdom, God. And we surrender tonight as your people. Amen. What a message. If you feel that someone would benefit from this, share it with them. We are all about family on mission.